Sports Byline's library of more than 12,000 interviews is a treasure. I'm Ron Barr, and we want your help in protecting, sharing, and continuing to build this sports interview treasure. We've launched a GoFundMe campaign, so please go to sportsbyline.com funding and donate so you can be a part of preserving and continuing to build this unique collection of sports interviews. In appreciation for your donation, support, and telling others, we're going to provide everyone who donates with a link to a special commemorative collection of the Sports Byline Interview Library. This commemorative collection will change every month, and you'll have access to it with your supporting donation of any amount. So go to sportsbyline.com funding and also tell your friends. You'll be helping preserve, grow, and digitize the Sports Byline Interview Library so that today's sports fans and those in the future will forever be able to enjoy this treasure. Thank you for your help and support. Welcome, you're listening to Sports Econ 101, the show where we discuss sports topics from a business perspective. I'm your host, Edward Brown, along with my co-host, Bruce McGowan, a longtime sports radio personality. Now, we, this is a little sad, we were supposed to have a guest today. Yeah, I was, I was uh, really looking forward to getting this guy on. And I mean, it sounds bizarre to say this, but he, he died. Um, like a day or two ago. Day before. or two ago, yeah. Mm-hmm. Former NBA player Greg Ballard uh, played with the Warriors. I got to know him slightly when he was with the Warriors. Uh, kept in touch with him off and on through through different uh, you know friends and, and contacts. And he was only sixty one years old. Really good ball player. Played with the Washington. Then they were called the Bullets back oh, yeah. in the late seventies. Mm-hmm. They won the NBA championship. Came to the Warriors. He was older. He was in his early thirties by that time. But a good role player off the bench. A good uh, mentor for the younger guys was playing, you know, paddleball, I guess, and just died of a heart attack uh, suddenly. I think that was what happened to him. Anyway, it, it just was such a shock. And sadly, you know, uh, those of us who are listening to this program who were our, our, of our age, my age, uh, mm-hmm. you know, early 60s, this kind of thing is part of life, so you just have to accept it. But it's it still makes it less – it's not palatable. It's not something you – you can just say, oh, well, yeah, that's life. I mean, it is life, but it's it's unfortunate. And, and, but, and leaving behind the family. And, yeah, and you know, that. a good business. I mean, he, he had some things going for him. And, and, that, and that brings up a good topic, I think. Where do pro athletes go? You know, what do they do after they get out of the business of professional sports? We could talk right, about yeah, that. Yeah, we'll talk yeah. about it in the next yeah. segment. All right. Yeah. So uh, at each commercial break, we're going to ask a sports trivia question. And uh, this theme is uh, old football. Oh, I we'll like see, that. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll see how much you know about old football. <laughs> old football. Old football. All right. This segment of Sports Econ 101 is sponsored by Pacific Private Money, providing mortgage investments that are hovering around 8%. They had to lower it to about 7.89%, uh-huh. so still hovering around hovering. close to 8%. I like that. Yeah. That's still what my good. wife does. She hovers, hovers. around me. <laughs> <laughs> That's because she loves you. She loves me. All right. It doesn't get any more concerned. It's all about love. <laughs> Who said that? I don't know. Oh, that sounds familiar. Yeah. All right. It doesn't get any more conservative than that. Check them out at PacificPrivateMoney.com. Tell them SportsEcon101.com sent you over. All right. Don't touch that dial. SportsEcon101. I'll be right back. Come on. 
Come aboard Hornblower Cruises for a one-of-a-kind Thanksgiving experience with spectacular views, live entertainment, and a gourmet holiday dinner all on board. Gather your family and just relax this Thanksgiving. We'll cook the turkey and even do the dishes. Book your reservation today at hornblower.com for a one-of-a-kind Thanksgiving experience. That's hornblower.com. Whether you're a local or entertaining visitors, check out the new Cityscape Viewing Lounge at the Hilton San Francisco Union Square for 360-degree views that are out of this world. This new San Francisco landmark serves up premium wines by the glass and locally crafted beers, as well as tempting appetizers, all of which complement the city's landmark vistas. The Cityscape Viewing Lounge at the Hilton San Francisco Union Square. Invest in some fun this season with this deal from Paintball Tickets. With the largest network of paintball fields in North America, Paintball Tickets is committed to bringing you high-intensity fun for a fraction of the cost. With the purchase of your paintball tickets, you'll receive free admission and equipment rentals to some of the most played-at paintball parks nationwide. And by partnering up with like-minded, safety-conscious paintball fields in thriving markets across the nation, we've ensured there's always a field close to home. These tickets, which can be purchased in bulk, are designed to fit the needs of every skill level, from casual observers to weekend warriors. This adrenaline-inducing sport is perfect for birthday parties, corporate team building, or a casual outing with friends. Make the right choice for your wallet. Get in on the fastest-growing action sport with this deal from Paintball Tickets by going to sportsecon101.com and clicking on the Play Paintball button. Fernandez, who you might know me as the host of Ring Talk Live Worldwide, but this time I'm here to talk about that four-letter word everybody dreads, pain. If you have back pain or knee pain like I do, hey, you should know about the Health Alert Hotline. I'm talking about if Medicare is your primary medical insurance, and guess what? You can qualify for a back or knee brace or a shoulder brace for little or no charge. Anything to help me with the pain, hey, makes it more manageable, gets my attention, folks. I love the free delivery, and they take care of the paperwork for you. So if you have Medicare and need help for your back, ankle, knee, or shoulder, guess what? Give the Health Alert Hotline a call toll-free, 1-800-428-1570. 1-800-428-1570. You can qualify for a back or knee brace or a shoulder brace for little or no charge. 1-800-428-1570. The Health Alert Hotline. 1-800-428-1570. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Edward Brown here along with Bruce McGowan. Now, uh, we decided we're today, since our guest is not, not with us, uh, we were going to talk about, you know, transitioning yeah. from pro sports to wherever their business takes them, whatever. And it just the first thing it reminded me, and it's kind of laughable, is uh, I was at this business meeting and there was this gentleman who uh, it was, they were talking about some kind of real estate deal. Mm. And this guy was, uh, he, he was one of the salesmen trying to get people to invest in his product. And so his sidekick was this kind of, kind of big guy. And the guy didn't really know anything about real estate. He was just brand new learning. Mm. But 
because he had just won the the uh, Rose Bowl, oh. and he, he now uh, Jimmy, show everyone your Rose Bowl ring, you know, and so oh. he's he's flashing this huge Rose Bowl ring, you know, so for he was everyone. A college player, just out of college. He had just he had just finished college, wow. yeah. So he was starting his. He wasn't going to get into pro sports. He was getting into maybe. I think so. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. I don't remember. This is going back to yeah. the '80s. So I don't even okay. remember. I think he played. He played for a decent team. I mean, okay. it was either like you know Stanford or I mean, it was okay. something he had. He had some smarts to him. Sure. Um, uh, but for but he had no idea like what mm. we were talking about. You could kind of tell he was like a deer in the headlights. Yeah. But I just thought it was kind of funny that you know this other guy was using the celebrity status sure. of this guy. Sure. You know, hey, well, show me your ring, everybody. Look at the ring. You know, it's like well, what does the ring have to do with? real estate and you're trying to get us to buy your product yeah you know? i think it's it's a lot of it is just you know associations and, yeah. and comfort level and people going out on the golf course and, and playing hey i got to play with you know such and exactly. such a guy and you know guys like that they enjoy being around pro athletes and it's it's tough for a lot of pro athletes you know you think about most of these guys get out of the game before they're 30 now they've been involved as a star chances are since they were probably 14 so suddenly yeah. after you know 10, 12, 15 years of being patted on the back and treated like uh, some sort of a deity, they're just a regular guy on the street who's got to earn a living like the rest of us. And if they haven't invested their money or haven't made a lot of money, most of them have made decent money today, but a lot of them, you know, have have been frivolous. What do they do? And, you know, well, some guys transition, like, is it Dave Casper that sells insurance? Yeah, Dave has done very okay. well. Former uh, Raider tight end, Hall of Famer. Dave has done very well. He is a very busy guy and nice guy, too. And I love Dave. Dave, when he played, was very blunt with you. You'd ask him a question, and he sometimes, it was almost like a curmudgeon. <laughs> really? Like, I asked him I asked him about the, the Holy Roller play, yeah. which I don't know if a lot of our listeners and can, remember. You, you, yeah, you better, yeah. I, don't know, I don't know the age of all of our listeners. Well, so. this is 1978. The, the Raiders are playing in San Diego. Last play of the game, they've got to score a touchdown, or the game is over. There's eight seconds to go. Stabler, Kenny Stabler goes back to pass. He gets hit by Woodrow Lowe, a very good linebacker with the San Diego Chargers. This is in San Diego. The ball pops forward, and actually, Kenny later explained that he threw the ball forward intentionally, but he didn't say it at the time. But it looked like it kind of popped out of his hand. He made it look like it popped out of his well, hand. For a fumble. For a fumble. Because otherwise it would be an incomplete pass. Yeah, because he knew, he knew he had to keep the ball alive. Yeah, That's, Pete, well, That is really quick well, thinking. Well, it's quick thinking. Even quicker, yeah, yeah. Pete Banizak, who was his short yardage fullback specialist, saw the ball rolling forward. He realized that if he picked it up, he was going to be tackled. The game was going to be over. So he fell on it and kind of pushed it, sort of shoved it. If you watch the replay, you can see him actually (laughs) kicking it with his hand, knocking with his hand, and it rolls forward. Meanwhile, it's rolling and rolling and rolling, and nobody's near it except for Dave Casper. Casper sees it rolling towards him at about the five-yard line. He sort of slowly kind of falls on it, as, and he says, as I'm falling on it, I see this big fat line. I realize that's the goal line. He says, I better stay on top of it. And he did, and the two arms of the official go up, touchdown, game tied, no time left on the clock, extra point is good, Raiders win the game. Short end of the, or long end of the story is Dave Casper's asked about it later, and he goes, he says, I just uh, happened, it was just a, ha- I hate to use the term, but he said this was, these were his words, just a half-assed play where I just happened to be standing off to the side with nothing to do, and here comes the ball. <laughs> you know, <laughs> nothing and, to do. and that was, it's that play, among other plays, there were several plays, but... That was one of the big plays that got Dave Casper into the Hall of Fame. He was a very good player, but he only played for about seven years. He oh. played with the Super Bowl team. He caught a pass in the Super Bowl, a winning touchdown, or a, a touchdown. He caught an amazing catch over the shoulder oh, in a yeah. very famous playoff game called Goes to the Post. And he caught several other big passes. Yeah, but he always yeah. saved his moments 
for the big moment yeah, and for the big, game, yeah. for the big yeah. time. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting. You talk to him about it today, and he laughs, and he says, yeah, he says, I just was very lucky. He says, I was a good player. He says, don't get me wrong. He says, but Hall of Famer? He says, no. Nah, you you know, know, it's funny. I mean, I – he was, we, a good, we, he was a good. He was good. We, we, but he only we, he only lasted about seven years, yeah, seven or guess, eight years. Yeah. Well, when you're a kid and you know you're watching the Raiders, well, they're larger uh, than life. Yeah, exactly. They're larger so, than yeah, life. We, he, he must have played 25 well, years. And, and I, I, I have to tell you something. I, I got to cover the Raiders as a young reporter in the 1970s when I was 24, 23, 24, 25, and most of these guys are older than me, and they're larger yeah, than yeah, life. And some yeah. of them I've been following since I was a kid. I'll never forget going up to George Blanda and asking him <laughs> if he would do a. a promotion you know read this little thing i had written for him to read about you know listen to bruce mcgowan do his sports show on k oh, yeah. high and auburn and uh-huh. george just you know what the what the hell is this you know and he read it did it in one take and threw the microphone like, get out of here kid you bother me <laughs> <laughs> it's funny i don't i don't yeah. picture george bland being that type oh of he guy. was he was a curmudgeon but he was actually a nice guy years later i met him uh he showed up at a raider game he was probably close to 80 and I told him the story, and he laughed, and he said, "Yeah, that was That's me." Says I, says I was. He said I was full of piss and vinegar. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, he was a piece of work. Well, shoot, man, he played in '61 with the well, Houston Oilers. He played right? for 26 years. Now, granted, he played a lot of those years as a as a kicker, kicker and, a, yeah. and a guy who came off the bench, you know, four times a game. But still, yeah. he played till he was 48 years old, and he didn't retire. They told him, "You're not with the team anymore," <laughs> and that, and the year they cut him. They won the Super Bowl. How would you like Jeez. that? You Otherwise, the, he'd still be playing today. Uh, and you know, he passed on. He a passed years. on a couple years ago. He was eighty, eh, like eighty-two. Nah, he still could have played. He still could have played. <laughs> he was a great athlete, though. And the, 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 the secret to George's success was he just took really good care of himself. He had an athlete's yeah. body. He ate well. He got his sleep. Very much a homebody, not a party yeah. animal. He didn't get tackle too hard too often i don't remember I, you know early I mean, in his from, career he oh, had yeah. a p- the potential of being a great quarterback in the nfl but george hallis didn't like him personally the co- the coach of the chicago bears and he didn't like george you know and george, george blanda was one of those guys if he didn't like you he let you know and huh. they you know and so he, he got cut basically uh, he was demoted and then he was cut and then the afl picked him up 31 years old he becomes a star in the afl 33 three years old he becomes a big star in the afl you know he led the houston oilers to the to the afl championship he later became the kicker for the raiders i mean you know it's a great story it really is and but you know for every story of a guy who has a long career and then transitions into something you know that's that's helpful and it's good in the community and successful for him there's the story of a guy like a warren wells who was a great player for three years in the nfl and couldn't stay out of trouble and you know I'm trying to remember Warren Wells who did he play for he was a Raider receiver back in 1968 through 70 oh. he caught 38 touchdowns in three years he averaged the average catch was 25 yards really a catch. he had breakaway speed he was the Jerry Rice of his time okay. but he played at a time when the AFL was still sort of getting um, you know, it's feet planted. So yeah, to speak. I mean, yeah, by that time yeah. it was going to be merging with the NFL. Yeah. But a lot of people didn't pay. You know, it, they didn't have the kind of coverage they had today. And I remember watching this guy make some amazing catches, but he couldn't stay out of trouble off the field. And you know, he went to jail. He went to prison for a while. He wasn't a bad guy. He just had a he had some behavioral disorders that kind of you know uh, chemical problems. Oh, gotcha. Well, that reminds yeah. me of, like Mercury Morris. You yeah, know? he he was fantastic with yeah. the Dolphins, yeah. but then uh, he got into some trouble yeah. with drugs, I think it was. Wasn't yeah, it? well, okay. you know, or, I mean, there are just too many stories like that. How about Ryan Leaf, you know? <laughs> spent time in jail. The guy was, what, wasn't he a Heisman Trophy winner? He, oh, yeah. he was, yeah. In fact, it was between him and, I think, 
Peyton was it Peyton Manning? Peyton Manning. The, the, the choice. The choice. And, yeah. and uh, they chose uh, the San Diego. Chose him. Boy. Wow, yeah. that's that's a tough one. Okay, yeah. tell you what, we're going to go to our sure. first commercial break. We are talking about old football. Old we'll football. see how how old. How old are you talking about? Like pre nineteen fifties. Yes. Because that's old for me. Yes, okay. it is. Okay, you ready I for this? I went to my first NFL game in 1959. My, my Little League team took me to Keysar Stadium, and I saw Green Bay play the 49ers, and Vince Lombardi was a rookie coach that year. Oh, rookie uh, head coach. Oh, the and the yeah. thing I remember most was the band kept playing on Wisconsin, on Wisconsin, because they'd play that every time the Packers would score. Oh, and the, <laughs> oops. <laughs> oops <laughs> kind of tells yeah. you who won. Exactly. Okay, so who was the first player to rush for 1,000 yards in a season? Good question. Right? Nice yeah. and simple, easy yeah, question, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, it, uh, it's got to be somebody from the fi- pre-50s, right? Uh, yes, okay. it is. Okay. okay, so that's our question. Who was the first player to rush for 1,000 yards in a season? Okay. See if you know his name. Had kind of an interesting name, too. Something, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you, you may okay. know this name. Okay. All right? Stay with us. You're listening to Sports Econ 101. you got to come back and listen and find out who was the first player to rush for 1,000 yards yeah. in a season. Don't touch that dial. Tired of calls, levies, and liens from the IRS or hiring others who don't get the job done? Call Wall and Associates and you'll never talk to the IRS again. The IRS has a program to eliminate tax debt and Wall and Associates professionals are trained to maximize its benefits for you. You always speak with a live person with real support and real knowledge. We've helped thousands of taxpayers like you settle their tax debt with the IRS for a fraction of what they owe. We solve tax problems. Call Wall and Associates now. 800-480-5708. We have the professionals who know how to solve tax problems. If you owe money to the IRS, your tax problems are not going away by themselves, and the passage of time will only make matters worse. Act now before it's too late. Call Wall & Associates right now to speak to a professional tax relief agent. Call 800-480-5708. That's 800-480-5708. Again, 800-480-5708. Rebuild or replace transmission, $3,200. Anti-lock brake system, $1,000. Rebuild or replace engine, $2,400. Truth is, once your manufacturer's warranty runs out, it's all on you. Every last cent. Get protection for covered repairs with a vehicle service contract from Toco Warranty. Unlike other companies, with Toco, there's no down payment, and the monthly payments are really affordable. Not sure how long you're keeping your car? At Toco, you can pay as you go. Keep your hard-earned cash and call Toco Warranty right now at 800-222-2313 to save big money on covered auto repairs. Prices vary by vehicle, but for about the cost of a tank of gas per month, a TOCO plan has your back on expensive covered car repairs. Monthly payments are very affordable. Get your free quote now. Call TOCO at 800-222-2313. That's 800-222-2313. 800-222-2313. Cancellation fee may apply. Subject to eligibility. Not available in Missouri and Washington. Waiting period and deductible apply. Coverage provided and administered by Warrantech Corporation or its affiliates. Not affiliated with any manufacturer or dealership. Visit TOCOWarranty.com for complete terms and conditions. This family is at home, but they won't be answering the door. They know that the pounding on the door is a process server from the court waiting to hand them foreclosure documents. So instead of enjoying the home they worked so hard to afford, they sit hiding in the dark. Mom, what was that? 
but it doesn't have to be this way. This family can save their home, but they must act fast. Call Allied State Foreclosure Solutions at 800-274-7312. If you're being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, missed a payment on your mortgage, been a victim of a predatory loan, or are upside down on your home, it's critical that you call Allied State Foreclosure Solutions now. 800-274-7312. Allied State Foreclosure Solutions has an attorney in your area that will meet and speak with you. You can stop the foreclosure process, lower your monthly mortgage payments, save your home and your credit, but you must act now. Call 800-274-7312. 800-274-7312. Not available in all states. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Again, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Now, we asked a, 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 a simple but difficult question, and what I mean by that is a, it's a simple question of who was the first player to rush for 1,000 yards in a season? In, in pro football. In pro football. Yeah. Okay, so that's a simple question. Right. The answer's not so simple, yeah. though. Uh, so we're talking, okay, we've got to go back to 1934. I was going to say Ernie tough. Nevers, but Ernie Nevers didn't have a great pro career. He had a great college career. Did he play back then? He played actually in the in the late 20s. I actually oh. met Ernie Nevers. He lived in my hometown. Uh, he played for a team called the Duluth Eskimos. <laughs> um, oh, gosh. Yeah, I, I can I imagine just, Duluth, uh, Minnesota. Red, Red Grange. No, no. A, a guy named Beatty Feathers. Oh, yes. Okay, you have heard of him. Okay. I have heard of that name, yeah. So it was only on 119 carries, which works wow. out to be 8.4 yards per that's carry. Impressive. And to me, the thing that's the most impressive is that was at a time when teams concentrated on running back that's then right. rather than passing. So That's right. So uh, you I mean, be able to stop him more easily. Yeah, that's what I would think. I met Red Grange once. And Red Grange really? was an interesting guy. Red Grange was one of the great runners. They called him the Galloping, galloping Ghost. Ghost. Yeah. Um, you know, and man, you talk about a guy that was just a, you know, a, uh, a mountain God, of a man or yeah, yeah. well, a mountain of a man, oh. a, a man among boys. A, well, he's the one a, who started a godlike figure. I mean, he it was him that really started um, pro, foot pro football. Yeah, pro so football. Spit, yeah. Well, he yeah, he turned the pro game on its ear when the I believe it was the Chicago Bears yes. uh-huh. brought him in yeah. and pro football never was quite that big of a deal really until no. the 1960s college it was big in college it was big all the yeah. way through well it still is today but yeah. pro football really didn't become big until television took over until the late 50s the big the big turning point for pro football was the 1958 uh nfl championship game that went into overtime between the oh, new york giants, giants and yeah. the baltimore colts johnny yeah. unitas yeah. handing it off to alan amici at yankee stadium yeah that's when frank gifford uh was Frank Gifford was knocked out knocked of that out game by yeah. uh, Bed- Chuck-, Chuck Bednarik. Chuck Bednarik. I remember that's that. right. But okay, uh, Red Grange played in the '30s. Actually, not Chuck Bednarik. It was um, Chuck Bednarik played with Philadelphia. Uh, who was it? Who oh, was? Uh, it was uh, G- oh. Oh. Gino Gino Marchetti. Gino Marchetti, who's yeah. from the Bay Area. Yeah, yeah. That's East right. Bay Boy. Yeah, yeah. Why did I say? Okay. Well, Chuck anyway. Bednarik was was yeah, he was, was like the you know the Ray Nitschke the yeah. uh, oh what was the guy who played with New York for many years uh, uh, Lawrence Taylor yeah you know Dick Butkus Dick type. Butkus yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but Grange pay, played in the thirties didn't he. I believe he started his pro career in the 1920s. 20s. Yeah, 25. Yeah, yeah that's because, right. 1925. That's when. Yeah, uh, because yeah. the NFL came along in 1920, and it was really yeah. a, a, a slipshod league for a while. He gave it respectability. He put it on its on solid ground. It really wasn't a big deal until the late 50s. And I and think I think he made a hundred thousand. He too. did. He made an incredible, yeah. which was an incredible <laughs> amount of money. But pro football, you think about it, 1970. The leagues merged, the AFL and the yeah. NFL merged. Monday Night Football came along, 
and that was really the year that football surpassed baseball as the number one team sport, professional team sport in America, 1970. I wonder what specifically, I mean, is it just a typical you know clash of the titans type of thing? Why did, why did football? Yeah. Well, I think it was the, first of all, it was the exposure, and you had this dynamic trio of announcers. You had Keith Jackson, who was probably one of yeah. the best play-by-play announcers, yeah. later replaced by Frank Kerr. And your favorite, How, Howard, Howard Cosell. Howard Cosell and Dandy Don Meredith. Yeah. And they were entertaining and funny, and they bounced off each other. And then you had a director named Chet Forty, who was using um, some technical aspects of television that had not been really used extensively before and then they did well you know little things close-ups or you know the the instant replay was was a thing that had been used in the 60s but the uh, the number of different angles oh the number of sideline shots and then also you know you had the the microphone sometimes you had guys mic'd up not during games but they had the the nfl films was a big proponent of of that sort of thing it's kind of fun my uh my brother-in-law actually uh he has the job of of holding the dish oh is that right for the sound for he, gets, he does that yeah, regularly. He gets to do it for football. Yeah, because he's he's a, a trucker, so he gets to truck all around the, wow, the country. In that fact, must he, be fun. Yeah, so he's done it for uh, mostly, I, I think, mostly football. Interesting. I mean, you don't do it for baseball, but um, I think he's done. He might have even been doing it for like NASCAR or something if they needed it. But I, um, I tell you, the perspective cool. of watching a game from the sidelines—it's fascinating. I did sidelines. Uh, radio, the analysis, you know, they come down to you and give you the gratuitous 30 seconds to talk about some hit. Oh, yeah. You <laughs> might have seen something they didn't upstairs. And you really did see things that they did, did not see upstairs. Like what? Well, you would just see things along the sidelines. Uh, you'd hear things from players. You'd, you'd, see, mm-hmm. little, you'd see little battles going on. Um, you'd watch uh, specific players um, going up against each other, the mm. one-on-one things. Gotcha. And so you I really understand the speed too. It's it's, it's so much faster oh my God. than you can and imagine. And the hitting, the hitting. Yeah. You know, I remember moving back upstairs after doing it for two years, and it was like I'd been removed from the game. I mean, I, wow. I really felt like I had been taken away from the game. I got spoiled by watching it on the sidelines, and of course, when you're down that low too, the cauldron of of, of noise that comes yeah. from these stadiums just sweeps, sweeps over in. the field. Gotcha. It's a powerful feeling, and the sound of, of these guys hitting each other, the grunts and the noise and the, yeah. the running and the bands, and it just, all of it was all-encompassing. I remember uh, doing sidelines uh, at this game in New England, the last game ever played at Schaefer Stadium, which was the famous Tom Brady-Tuck game in the snow, oh, yeah. and it was surreal. It was like being inside of a snow globe. There was no... Everything was muted. All the sound was muted because there was six inches of snow on the ground. Oh, snow was falling constantly, but, but there was no wind. And it, it was like everything was muted. And huh. it was strange. It was just a strange. I wonder, strange. now, be on the field at baseball, though, how much different would that be? Well, that's be? a different thing. You can't be on the field during baseball. You can be behind the yeah. the um, backstop, which I've done a few times. That's interesting, but it really, you don't, you know, if you're off to the side, kind of over towards to where the dugout is, yeah. and I've sat right next to the dugout a number of times because I had a relative who owned a piece of the Giants, so we had these great seats once in a while. But that's that's pretty interesting. That'd be I think, Peter McGowan, right? No, 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 no relation. Oh, uh, Bill, right. Bill Newcomb, who was okay. who was uh, one of the owners of the Giants, was my wa- is my wife's uh, uncle. Oh, okay. so he had these tickets, and he wasn't in town very often. He'd always give them to my in laws, and you know we did we ended up sitting there. Even though I had a press pass, I'd yeah. come down from the press box and sit with my wife and my huh? my yeah. in laws and watch the game. It was great. I mean, I felt like, hey, this is great. But you can see the, this, you know, watching a ninety five mile an hour fastball. Well, you could though. see the the speed yeah. of the ball, the the, the great 
artistry of the glove work by the players, and then also you would see things that the batting, uh, the guy in the in the on deck circle would be doing. Um, oh. You know how they prepare themselves. Like sort of how they pretend be, that he's he's hitting. Yeah, at the they'd time be or, watching. You know yeah. very closely. I remember. Um, Certain things that guys would do, the, the little habits they would get into, you know, just before they, it, it was fascinating. I mean, there, one of the great things about working in broadcasting all these years in sports broadcasting, and I feel very lucky, is that I got to see a little bit of the inside of what happens. Yeah. And as we were talking about earlier, these players, you know, the, we don't realize. I mean, we do realize, but we don't think about it that often. About they're just normal human beings, you know, subject to the same pressures, the same kind of strains that we have. And once they're out of the game. You know, it's kind of like they walked out of uh, out of some amusement park. You know, the lights are, are gone, the sound of the crowd is is dissipated, and they're out in the real world. And and for some of them, it's a, it's a real adjustment. It's a real tough a tough adjustment. I mean, can you imagine having a career that is theoretically supposed to only last three to five years, yeah. and just think, okay, I'm going to go into this for three to five years, and then what? Now, and some, then, some and people, what? yeah. I mean, uh, now Steve Young's kind of taking it to a different level because he he became an attorney, and then he's back in the broadcast booth, and he's I doing, mean, he's very, doing well. very, very well. Done very, very well. And there are yeah. guys that are doing very, very well. You know, Michael Jordan has done terrifically well. I mean, he was smart with his money. You get a good agent. That's a key. Yeah. But if you have, if you're from a, a poor family, and you come from modest circumstances, and you didn't really follow through with your education and you didn't get connected with the right people and you have a whole bunch of hangers on yeah. and family that are sort of you know feeding sponging off, of off you. Yeah. yeah sponging yeah. off you by the time you get to be 29 or so you know you might be in in big trouble you know maybe you've run through a wife and you got a couple of kids to take care of you know and you've run through your second wife i mean yeah these guys live in and a different 11, world okay. they well, live in a different world is it adrian peterson who's got like 10 or children, 10 or 11 children I'm, from I'm 10 not different sure. women. I remember Sean Kemp had quite a few. <laughs> remember the former uh, man Sonic. child. Yeah, yeah, he was he was something else. But you know, you, you hear these stories and it's kind of sad when I hear a story about a young athlete, uh, the guy that pitched for the uh, Marlins recently. Uh, you know, Fernandez, and when I heard yeah. when I heard he'd been in a in boat a boat wreck, yeah. I just thought to myself cocaine and booze and sure yeah. enough, that's what happened. You know, they, they think they're invulnerable. They're 22, yeah. 23 years old. You know, he even had friends telling them, you know, don't go, don't do this. I mean, it's one thing if, if, if you know, everyone's you, doing you just. You remember what you were like when you were age. Maybe yeah. you weren't reckless, but you felt invulnerable. You mm -hmm. felt, I remember when I was 22 years old once running 17 miles, and I wasn't a distance runner, and I ran 17 miles, and I thought, you know, I could handle this. It's not that big a deal. God, the, the thought of running five miles today. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, three but miles. You, but you do surf, though. I do. And that, that keeps me young. A lot of people your age don't surf. Well, that keeps me young. It, uh, there's something about getting in the water and feeling the power of the ocean and the power of that pulse of the planet, as they say, which, which is what yeah. a wave is. It's eternal. And I know I'm getting off in a way. That's okay. The seaweed's good for you, yeah, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> no. But, I mean, you're out there. The other day I was out there, and a, and a big dolphin popped up really? in the wave. And, you know, you see you see uh, uh, pelicans, you know, gliding yeah. over the tops of waves yes, and, really pretty. And, and using the updraft of the waves to yeah. kind of go a little higher. And you see a big old uh, sea lion comes along. And the sound, uh, the all-encompassing sound and just being a part of that, it just relaxes and, you. And you're, you're sure it was a dolphin and not a shark? Oh yeah, no. I have actually. I actually saw a white in the water, a, a white shark in the water, after I was getting out the, about um, six months ago, and it was a young shark. The, the younger ones tend to come closer to shore because they're less vulnerable to being eaten by their elders. <laughs> Believe it or not, the elders sometimes eat their young. Wow. And that. and there's also easy easier hunting for them. They can get you know the fish that are kind of. Um, sort of nibbling around gotcha. closer to, but they, they'll what they'll do is they'll come up from below, grab a 
a, a trout, not a trout, but a, a, a salmon in the mouth, and they'll breach the water. And it's an, it's an impressive sight to see this animal come out of the, this fish wow. come out of the water. Almost like a marlin, you know, that yeah, it's, it's yeah, breaching. Yeah. Uh-huh. But it scares the living, you know, oh, what out of you. <laughs> because the baby one's still yeah, six feet long. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Here's our second trivia question. What team won the first night football game ever played? Oh, good one. It's actually kind of a tough one. Okay. It's not as easy as you think. Okay. All right. Stay with us. Sports Econ 101. We'll be right back. How would you like to earn over 8% per year in your investment portfolio in a conservative investment that has been considered one of the best-kept secrets in investing? At Pacific Private Money, we are actually paying over 8%. Imagine what a mutual fund of low loan-to-value mortgages would look like. Well, that is very similar to what participating in the Pacific Private Money Fund is like, because we own many loans in the fund that are actually less than 60% loan-to-value. It would be extremely difficult to find an investment that yields over 8% with this much collateral. We pay you monthly. Can you imagine earning more in one month than most banks are paying in one year? Of course you have questions about how we can deliver this. So call Pacific Private Money at 415-883-2150 and we will answer all of your questions. You can also visit us at pacificmoneyfund.com. This is Carrie Cooper for Guitar Center's Focus on Rock. Shop for the greatest music gear on earth at guitarcenter.com. For film lovers, it's that moment in the movie when the song starts playing and the scene takes on a kind of new and more memorable life. As rock music lovers, many of us will most likely have our favorite movie moments when a song took our breath away. How about Pulp Fiction's twist contest or the moment Meatloaf roared his motorcycle into Dr. Frankenverter's lab? Join me, Carrie Cooper, over at focusonrock.com for a deep dive into rock music in movies. This holiday season, Guitar Center is your best gift ever center. With deals like a Schecter Demon 6 guitar for just $349, a Blackstar 40-watt combo amp $149, or an American Audio PA for $129. Save up to 25% on gear in every department and make spirits bright for every musician on your list. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year! Guitar Center's holiday kickoff, going on now, in-store and online. Hi, Sports Econ 101 listeners. I'm Edward Brown. You know me as the host of the show, but you may not know that I work with individuals getting them the least expensive term life insurance policies around. Don't be fooled by the ads you hear on TV and radio. It's always best to work with someone who's completely independent. That's where I come in. If you email me at edward at sportsecon101.com, your name, your age, and how much insurance you want, I'll run the numbers through my software program and let you know the least expensive policy around from among many of the top insurance companies. Again, I'm totally independent, so email edward at sportsecon101.com for your free life insurance quote today. Why pay more for life insurance than you need to? I can get you a guaranteed policy where the low premiums are fixed anywhere from 10 to 35 years. So email edward at sportsecon101.com right now for your free life insurance quote. That's edward at sportsecon101.com. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Again, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Here is our second uh, old-time football question, mm. and I think this is pretty hard. 
What team won the first foot, uh, night football game ever played? And again, we're still talking uh, NFL. Uh, you know what? This is before the NFL. Oh, back in the 20s then, huh? Before back, be, then. Before then. Well, I'm clueless then. Uh, uh, to me, I'm thinking they must have used candles. It's <laughs> Philadelphia Athletics in 1902. Wow. I'm thinking, okay, they, when did electricity come out? 1880s or something? Was it, was it a pro team at the time? That's, uh, that's what they're talking about. I mean, so they well, didn't have, they, pro, they, I mean, they didn't have the NFL, but no, they, they had they had a, a variety of different leagues that kind of failed that were very small time. Yeah, those days, I thought yeah. that one was hard. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting about pro football. And again, again, I'm getting off on a tangent here, but pro football, football in general, was almost banned in this country because back in the early aughts, and I'm talking about 1900 to 1910, football was not played with helmets. And there were not even the leather ones, not even the leather ones. And I think there were something like 12 deaths on the field one year and not in one game. And (laughs) President Roosevelt was actually being was actually thinking seriously of outlawing football. But he had played football. He loved the game. And so he worked with, and I'm not sure if he was responsible. Hold on. And when college. Right. When did they start using the helmets? Early teens. Early, early and late teens, they had to start using them. I think it was about 1914. Okay, so now the people, so it was college people who died? Yeah. College this surgery. is, gotcha. this is, this okay. is before the pros. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, college football was a big deal. You know, you think about college yeah. football has been around since 1869. So that's 1869? Long, yes, 1869 was the first college game. Wow. That was well, that's Harvard so... against uh, Yale, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I knew it was Harvard and Yale, yeah. but I, I mean, 1869, but you're almost kinda, talking about baseball at but, that time, too. Well, <laughs> yeah, actually, it's funny you mentioned baseball because that's the first year of a first pro team was Cincinnati Red Legs. Yeah. yeah. And they won all every game. Yeah. <laughs> Most right. of those games were played on the road, by the way. Yeah. They yeah. They, had, they did these barnstorming yeah. trips. They, they had a trip out here to the West Coast where they, they hit San Diego, L.A., Fresno, San Francisco. And, you know, they, hundreds of people, would, thousands of people would come to see them play. But they uh, won every game. Yeah. How did they get the news out? I, mean, I guess oh, telegraphed you know, to say, hey, we're going to those days, but, but, you know. But then it's like, Play, I guess a guys, a bunch of guys had to organize here yeah. to, to say, hey, you know, come on, play on our team. We, you know, we got to beat these yeah, guys. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the the great thing about sports is there's always been that um, that part of the prom- the promotional part of the game has always been a, a big factor in in getting people involved. And you think about it, you know, back in those days, before radio, before television, the newspapers were still they were a big deal, but. You know, I mean, it, word of mouth. Uh, oh, you know, te- they had telegraphs. Uh, yeah, I mean, know. and then also I think the the informality uh, that we had. I think people were a lot more communicative uh, today. <laughs> I'm walking around town the other day, and I, I'm wa- watching some kid walking across the street, totally oblivious to the fact he's walking against a red light. He's totally absorbed with his iPod or his iPad, <laughs> and he's staring. He's got one thing he's listening to, and he's staring at another thing. No connection with anybody. Uh. And I yelled out the window at him. I said, hey, buddy. You know, okay. if I hadn't seen you, I would run into you. He just looks over at me kind of vacantly, and I'm thinking, this is the new generation. No, I hate to say it. That sounds horrible. That's a terrible thing to say, but there is a certain amount of truth to that. So, huh. um, and I think we have to all get used to the fact that I'm, I'm, I'm into it, and you are too, but yeah. the, new, the new generation is into all this social media, and it is a, it, it's, it's very distracting. Yeah. Very distracting. Anyway. Gotcha. All right. Uh, let's move on yes. for just a little yes, bit. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Uh, so lately, you know, I've just watched some of the basketball games. And NBA, you're talking about? NBA, yeah. yeah. And, you know, us being from the San Francisco Bay Area, I'm watching the Warrior game. And for whatever reason, it, it seems like Kevin Durant hasn't quite 
you know, locked in yet. I know he's still well, averaging know, over 20 it, points. Interesting stuff, you bring that up because my, my uh, observation is that he is one of the few guys in the team that is locked in. I haven't seen any problems this guy has had in adjusting to the type of play the Warriors have. He can go the fast break. He can do the isos. He can get back on defense. He has no. He does yeah. everything oh, he's, well. He's the man. Oh, but he's the man the for thing, sure. The, the thing that concerns me at the Warriors is not only are they still trying to figure out what they are with these new players, yeah. but they don't have that intimidating inside presence they had with Andrew Bogut, a guy who could protect yeah. the rim, block shots, pull rebounds off. And I, until they get that, and I just don't see them having that with the personnel they have, I think they're going to have a really tough time winning this league. I think they're going to huh. be in the finals – but I don't think they're they're necessarily going to win the finals. I mean, David West is a nice little presence. Yeah, and, no, uh, yeah. Who's no, the other big guy? They have, well, Pachulia Zaza Pachulia. And, yeah, they're both, yeah. they're, but they're not Andrew Bogut. Now, Bogut was a dominating, intimidating presence, block a shot blocker, a rebounder, a good passer, a good screen setter. They don't have that guy anymore, and you know they they gave up Bogut basically to get. Kevin Durant. They gave up more than Bogut. Yeah, they yeah. gave up. Uh, they also gave up Harrison Barnes, and yeah. they gave up, you know, several other bench players like, uh, you know, Festus Azili and. Yeah, where did uh, Festus go? He went up to Portland. He's having problems with his knee, though. Now he's yeah. he's had a, a problem with that for a while. Le- Leonardo Barbosa went to Phoenix. Oh yeah, that's right. And then of course um, Leandro Barbosa. Yeah, yeah. And, and of course they they lost a couple of other guys too. But you know, you when you when you change half of your personnel. Yeah. That, that takes, you know, you think about it, a Major League Baseball team, as good as they've been, let's say they trade half their players away and they bring in some great players. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. I think basketball, the chemistry, the synergy. Well, yeah, really, it's too much of a team game. Yeah. You know, baseball, you, it's like, you know, whether you're left fielders or this guy or that guy, is, yeah, yeah. he I still think, knows how to play the game. But I, what my point is, I think a good player is going to play well no matter where you put him. Yeah. But meshing and, and being able to play well as a unit, that's not uh, no, always going to happen. Yeah, that's yeah, why the same thing with football, too. Uh, yeah, very much yeah. so football. I mean, if you put a great player on a bad team, he's not necessarily going to play great. Yeah. Tom Flores always said, you you know, the former Raider coach used to say, you put a dog, a, put a player on with a bunch of dogs and he's going to play like a dog. And there's a lot of truth to that, you know? Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's like, it just reminded me when, uh, when I used to bowl seriously, if I was bowling with really good Play. And again, bowling is a very individual sport. Yeah, you know, but if you're with, even if you're team, I know what you're saying. You were with some really good players. Yeah, it, it, re- it, it does. It oh, absolutely yeah. does. I remember I used to play a lot of tennis, and I loved playing against people who were better than me because I'd always elevate. They'd always elevate my game. Yeah. Of course, I'd bring their game down a few. Yeah, times. I know that's why. <laughs> but, uh, but they say the same thing is true with golf, and I, I don't. I can't yeah. figure that out. I guess you get inspired. Tennis, you know, it really does help though because yeah. you're getting the ball hit back at you a lot, so you you get good shots hit at you. Uh, and I think that's true of most sports, you know. But also, you, you know, you're sort of picking up some tips too, in a way. Yeah, you know, yeah, you watch yeah. that. I want to emulate this guy. I remember. Know. I remember when I was in Little League that the toughest pitcher in our league, for some reason, and I wasn't particularly a, a great hitter in Little League. I was an average, a little better than average player. One year I was an All Star, huh. but I could hit this guy. And I remember hitting a game-winning homer off him. Really? And, and I hit this home run. And, of course, you know, Little League home runs. You're running around the bases. Everybody's cheering. The ball is being frantically chased in the, yeah. in the outfield. Yeah. And I'll never forget this guy standing with his hands on his hips looking at me going, you hit a bleeping home run off me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, know? It's funny. That reminded me. Um, I... I, playing tennis, yeah. I you know it's just like eh, I'm okay. I mean, if you need a fourth person, okay, I'm I'm I'm, I'm athletic, yeah. you know, so I'll I'll fill in. And, uh, and it was like the it was a Gold's Gym type of thing. And so the, apparently, like there were there were 
these three, three other people, two of whom apparently were really good, and then the other other person was still better than I. Mm. Um, but I get matched up, and, and again, I, I warn them ahead of time. I said, "Listen, you know what, guys? I'm really just here because as your fourth person, just because you want to play doubles. Please don't expect much. You know, right. I'll, I'll kind of hold my own, right? Right. So on this one, uh, it was it was my serve, and. You know, serving can kind of go hit and miss, right? Sure. So for whatever reason, I, I was just I, I threw it up really well, and I just I hit it so well that I that I aced their best player. Wow. I mean, and he just looks at me like this real serious look, and goes, "What the hell was that?" <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's what everybody did. I, I mean, I couldn't believe it myself, and uh, the other team. I mean, he my, was so shocked. He was so. It's, we were all he was, shocked. He was speechless. It was, yeah. It was what just, the hell was that? Yeah, Come don't on. Ever, don't ever do that again. Don't you, know? you ever do that again? Yeah. You would. Embarrass me! How dare you embarrass me? I'm sorry. Oh, and of course, I could never do that again. Yeah. You know, and I'm, that that raises a point. You know, athletes today, and I, I guess it's part of the culture that we're raised in. They love to strut and stick their chest out. And even the modest guys like Steph Curry, the other night he sets yeah, yeah. a record for thirteen, yeah. for thirteen three Threes. point shots yeah. that he hits. And he's doing that little sort of dance, you know, yeah. the, sort of the chicken dance. <laughs> now, you know, it's, it's funny. It's amusing. But I remember back in the old days when the when the first players started spiking the football. Yeah. Wow, that's really. Elmo Wright. Yeah. Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's what are you doing? You know, that. Yeah. And it just, it's taken well, to a whole new well, level. Well, what cracks me up is when, it, when a team is down by, you know, 21 points with two minutes to go and the guy makes a touchdown and he just like man i'm the man yeah, it's like uh this is a team sport yeah. and you're still gonna get your tushies whipped <laughs> uh, the guy i wish i loved i love him as a player but he he gets called for unsportsmanlike more than anybody i've ever seen is michael crabtree the wide receiver of the oh, raiders yeah. who's they call him the claw because he just he's got these huge hands he can pull in anything but he gets in players' faces. He gets in their grill and taunts them. And, you know, Michael, you're better than that. You don't need to do yeah. that. Just well, let like your Richard, play do Richard Sherman was kind of like... Richard Sherman is that way. And thing, I know yeah. Richard Sherman. I, I interviewed him many times. I covered... I worked with Stanford, uh, the athletic department, for a year while he was there and got to know him a little bit. He's a good guy. He's he smart like, guy. He actually seems like a good yeah, guy. Yeah, he is. Yeah. He's a very good guy. He's not, he's not a troublemaker. He's not a jerk. But he's he, he says when he gets on the field, he's just a different person. I just turn into somebody different, you know. I'm, I'm Dr. Jekyll off the field, and then on the field, I'm Mr. Hyde. You don't, you do not want to run into Mr. Hyde. You do not want to run into him. Yeah, it's true. So that's that's part of the that's part of the appeal of the game. I think the fact that you can be that way, and that also you can uh, entertain people by being that way. Yeah. So you know, but if you're if you're a player, the last thing you want to do is run into Mr. Hyde across the field, and you're unprotected. Oh no, thank you. Yeah. No, don't do not want to have that happen. See, but then you get someone like Ronnie Lott who oh. just hit very very hard and never seemed to make a spectacle no, of himself. He, ne- he, he just never did. played the game, but he played it really really he, really hard. He played it at the highest. And level. that's the thing is, he was only what, what he weighed what two forty five or something. Oh no, he wasn't that big. About two twenty. Two twenty. And he's what six one to six two. Six one six two. Well, average for a defensive back. Yeah, safety. Yeah, so I mean, you kind of look and you go. Those guys are the toughest p- players, pound for pound, the defensive backs. They have to be because they're the, usually the smallest guys, but they're also the most athletic. They can run. Most of them can run backwards as fast as guys can run forwards. Yeah. Well, they have to because yeah. they, they start kind of backing well, they, yeah, up like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's but, amazing, though. You know? but, but what was so spectacular about Ronnie? Like, I mean, how did he hit so hard? I think he just threw himself literally physically mentally emotionally into every game like it was a, a matter of life and death and the the way he played i think rubbed off on his teammates 
uh, rubbed off on that defense. That yeah. defense always had an edge. The Bill Walsh used to, to love to tell his players, we're going into play in Chicago or Minnesota. It's 45 of us against the world. Oh, and uh, it's yeah. the Spartans, you know, at Thermopylae. Yeah, yeah. And Ronnie Lott loved that. He yeah. loved being the under, the you know, underdog. The underdog. Yes, yeah. Of course, he was never but, the underdog. But, and, and here's the thing is that he, when he got his reputation, I don't remember, like, when the reputation started, but just if you were a wide receiver. You did not you, want to run into him. Yeah, so that'll make you drop passes because oh, yeah. you know you have to get, get protected. footsteps. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, you know, the story about Ronnie Lott was I guess he mangled um, – part of his finger yeah. and the doctor said you know i can f- fix it up for you but you're gonna have to take some time off and he goes why don't you just cut it off yeah it was and just again, a tip but just a tip still, and it but still yeah. cut it off so he could play yeah that's ronnie lott <laughs> you know and, and years later he was asked do you think that was a good idea and he goes yeah i got to play more games we won the super bowl that year hey there you yeah, go yeah you know who needs a little tip on the finger yeah, exactly <laughs> all right here we go here's our last trivia question who was the first player drafted in the first nfl draft in 1936. Uh, good Again, now this guy, I, I'll tell you, here's the hint. I've never heard of him. Okay. And then it could be just me. Okay. You, you may have because you're a smart person. Me, I'm not so smart. Yeah. All right. So that's our question is why, who? Why 1936? Just, uh, I guess that's when they had the draft. Oh, first year of the draft. Yeah, first oh, okay. year of the draft. Oh, okay. yeah. Who was the first player drafted oh, in the first NFL draft yeah. in 1936? Wow. Okay. All right. So stay with us. You're listening to Sports Econ 101. We're going to come back with that answer and some closing thoughts for the day. Are you a business owner or an individual who owes the IRS? Then be prepared to write down an important phone number. Do you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes? Do you need to file back tax returns? Are you dealing with bank levies and wage garnishments? It's time to deal with your IRS problem today. Call Certified Tax Tax Representation now. Certified Tax Tax Representation, Inc. represents clients just like you in all 50 states. They will contact the IRS on your behalf the same day that you become a client, and you can become a client immediately. It's time for you to face your IRS problems. Think about how great you're going to feel when you're represented by a company who's an advocate for you, who knows the law, who also will contact the IRS the same day you become a client. Call today for your free, no obligation consultation. Call now, 1-800-999-1064. That's 1-800-999-1064. Not all cases are typical and some may not qualify. The consultation is free and so is the call, so call right now. 1-800-999-1064. That's 1-800-999-1064. Are you an inventor who would like to try to have an invention or idea patented and submitted to companies? But you don't know what to do next. Call for free information from InventHelp. InventHelp, a leading inventor service company, has been helping inventors since 1984 and has sales offices located in more than 60 cities nationwide. You'll want to talk to the company that has helped secure more than 7,000 invention patents. So call InventHelp. Even if you have an idea for improving an existing product and don't know where to go with it, you'll still want to call InventHelp for free information. 
You'll find out how InventHelp may assist you in trying to patent your invention and submit it to companies. So call now. Call InventHelp at 1-800-316-1738. That's 1-800-316-1738. Get your free information by dialing 1-800-316-1738. That's 1-800-316-1738. 1-800-316-1738. When you struggle with credit card bills every month, you're not just in debt. Debt is all around you. I see people every day that are on the brink. They're going to go over the edge, and at the bottom is bankruptcy, and we pull them back. At the Debt Helpline, we're experts at helping you resolve your debt problems and become free of debt. We can help you pay off your debt and give you one lower monthly payment that you can afford. You do get to consolidate your payments. You only have to worry about making one payment a month instead of making three or four or five. If you have $5,000, $10,000 or more in credit card bills, call the Debt Helpline now for a free confidential debt analysis. 800-957-6063. 800-957-6063. Call the CESI Debt Helpline right now for a free confidential debt review. 800-957-6063. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Our last time for today, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Here was our third and final trivia question. Who was the first player drafted in the first NFL draft in 1936? I have no clue. <laughs> a guy named Jay Berwanger. Oh, Jay Berwanger. See, yeah. I knew you yeah, knew the name. Yeah, he was a terrific uh, running back, I believe. Okay, so it says here, he was the top selection in the first ever NFL draft yeah. in 1936. Originally drafted by Philadelphia, his rights were sold to the Bears, yeah. George, uh, George Hallis. That's right. Uh, but his asking price of 25000 for two seasons was too high, and he never signed a contract, instead taking a job as a foam rubber salesman. Yeah, that's right. I'd forgotten about that. He, uh, I wasn't around when it happened, but I'm yeah. reading about that. He was a terrific college player, but never played it down in the, in the pros. Wow. And of course, in those days, the pros wasn't a big deal. Wasn't a big thing. Yeah. And then Jim Thorpe played for the Washington Redskins? Uh, he played He played for Washington, but he played for a team called the Duluth, I believe the Duluth Eskimos also. I think Ernie Nevers mm-hmm. also played for them. And um, the Carlisle Indians, that's where he went to school. That was his college, though. Well, I'm trying to remember. He, he was a great oh, yeah. football player. You know, he, played, he played Major League Baseball with, yeah. with, with the New York Giants. Uh, Not a great player, but, you know, he played the Major Leagues. He was, he was the, the uh, athlete of the century, oh, though. Oh, he was the Bo he, Jackson he was, of his time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, here's our thoughts for the day. A senior basketball player at the University of Pittsburgh said, I'm going to graduate on time no matter how long it takes. <laughs> <I like that. laughs> and uh, how would you like to? Who have worked with Bill Peterson, a Florida State football coach, when he said things like, you guys line up alphabetically by height, and you guys pair up in groups of three, then line up in a circle. <laughs> <laughs> this is after he had a little too much cough syrup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be just a, just a little confusing. Just a little confusing. All right, do we have a guest next week? We're working we're on work, it. We're working on it. Okay, yeah, yeah. can you tell them, don't play any sports, don't do anything, just sit and watch TV until we're ready for them? Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, so tune in next week to Sports Econ 101. Why? Because we're going to be uh, discussing sports topics from a business perspective. We're also going to be asking some more sports trivia questions. I'll probably make them a little bit easier. This Please was a little. Do. Yeah, yeah. I know. Sometimes I kind of. I mean, I've heard that name, but I never would have. I know. This sometimes it's kind of embarrassing because it's like oh, I don't know the answer to this. Right, okay. Right. On behalf of our team, I'm your host Edward Brown. We'll see you next week. Good night, America. So long.